Hello, hello. You're listening to season one, episode two of the Level Up Creators podcast. Amanda Northcutt here, founder and CEO. Our mission at Level Up is to help digital creators build thriving, sustainable businesses they love. I am joined again by our head of revenue strategy, aka the money, Natalie Williams. Welcome, Natalie. Thanks. Happy to be back. Absolutely. Today's episode is part two of the conversation we started in episode one. So if you haven't listened to that one, please go back and give it a quick listen. And in episode one, we described in detail the top three ingredients needed for running a successful creator-led business that can bring in at least a half a million dollars a year. Um, Natalie, would you mind recapping real quick our top three? Yeah, definitely. So first is at least 50,000 followers. But remember, there is some nuance here based on the total number number of people who are interested in what you're talking about and also how many people are on your email list. Number two is a demonstrable expertise in an area that you are passionate about. You know your stuff. You're continuing to learn every day and sharing that knowledge in a way that engages your audience and you keep them coming back for more. And then third, you've sold something to your audience and therefore you've started to demonstrate that there's a good product market fit there. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And if you're not familiar with any of those terms shared, and there's kind of a lot of context shared in episode one. So again, really encourage you to pop over and listen to that. But uh, again, that was only half the equation, right? So there's these top three ingredients that we've seen over and over and over again um, that can be strategically used to build a really successful business. But let's talk about what's probably standing in your way of creating that kind of a business. Um, We call those things roadblocks. So the top five roadblocks a creator is likely facing are that they are burned out, tapped out, overwhelmed, lack specific business knowledge and skills, or are lacking what's called a North Star, which is super important, well thought out information that helps guide all of your business-related decision-making. It's your compass. And what it really boils down to is that you don't know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, you'll never get there. And so we want to make sure that we are uh, working with a great deal of intention, especially if you're endeavoring to build a high six, seven, or even eight-figure creator-led business. Okay, so we're going to break down and, and talk about each of these. And then at the end of the episode what to do to overcome them, right? You got to move this stuff out of your way to get those three ingredients free and clear and start building upon them. All right, creator burnout. Oh man, this is the most prevalent issue successful creators are facing right now. I'm sure you are experiencing it yourself um, if you are a successful creator. And uh, if not, I'm sure you've read about it and are trying to actively avoid it. So a little context, the creator economy has only been a thing for about 20 years. It hasn't been called that for very long, but you can see kind of the uh, beginning of the evolution of the rise of creators in the early 2000s. And we've seen hyper growth and then, you know, the creator economy being a more well-used and well-known term just over the last five years, right? And for many reasons that we don't have time to unpack today, there's this pervasive message in our culture that says we can have it all and do it all while still remaining our mental, emotional, physical, psychological, and spiritual health. And if you can't, guess what? Something's wrong with you. You're not good enough. You're inadequate. And I call bullshit on that. If you can introduce me to someone who claims to have achieved great success on their own, truly without help, I'll show you a delusional person at best, 
a liar at worst. And I don't say that to me mean, and I realize that is a very, you know, I'm kind of planting my flag in this, but um, that is something about Western culture that has created creator burnout and burnout on every level in every industry and on the home front everywhere, right? It's not just in the creator economy, of course, but um, our culture has set creators and again, entrepreneurs up for, for failure on this front big time. I think this posture of, oh yeah, I can carry the weight of the world on my shoulders and act like it's not slowly burying me is really, really toxic. Um, a seven or eight figure creator led business is not sustainable long-term by one person, especially if that person has a life or much less a family and kiddos and, you know, probably taking care of aging parents and other family members and friends and neighbors. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on for the typical creator. The expectation should be that sustainable, profitable businesses are a team sport. Doing everything yourself will suck the life and health right out of you. And I don't really think that's something to be proud of or celebrated, frankly. Um, our creations and creative endeavors should be life-giving and restorative, not soul-sucking. And Yes, this is easier said than done, obviously, but I've helped, entre I've helped entrepreneurs, business owners, and executives recognize tremendous success without sacrificing everything else. And the same is true for creators who are the definitive new wave of entrepreneurs and business owners in the world. So here's the deal. Creator burnout is real, and I believe it's predicated on the toxic notion that long-term one person can do every single task associated with running a business, of which there are hundreds or maybe thousands every single month. What I really like to see is a shift in the creator mindset to one that celebrates we instead of I. Let's move away from the notion of I can do it all to I'm going to do what I do best. You're going to do what you do best. And together, again, team sport, we're going to make something that's far greater than either of us could have done alone, right? The sum of our parts is greater than the whole. I always mess this up. That's it though, right? The sum of our parts is yeah. greater than the whole. Is that it? Okay. Um, what we can do together is better than what we could do alone. So let's take the long view and work toward balance and sustainability, not burnout for short-term gains. And again, I'm sorry if that offends you. I get it. I hear it. I used to believe it. More on that later. Maybe again, that's kind of part of my, my personal story, but um, that's what I think at least. <laughs> <laughs> and that leads us into a similar but a little bit different topic, which is tapped out. And I won't spend a ton of time on this, but I do want to make the distinction between burnout and tap out. Tapped out. The key the key differentiator being that you can be tapped out without being burned out, though usually it's a prerequisite to burnout. And you can be both burned out and tapped out at the same time. It's usually a, a one situation leads to another type of scenario. Total. Yeah. Snowball effect for sure. Mm -hmm. um, a tapped out person is the creator that's running a one person show and trying to build a business by themselves. At least that's what we've seen from our experience over and over and over and over. They do everything required to plan, create, edit, post, monitor content day in and day out. This creator is studying the algorithm on whatever multiple platforms they're on, um, keeping up with Instagram, TikTok, YouTube trends, and constantly working to position themselves to go viral. Simultaneously, they're likely building a course or another product to try and monetize all of their hard-earned audience building work, right? 
And then there's the marketing side of whatever product they're building, the branding, the positioning, and don't forget the tech. Thank you very much. You know, that holds it all together. This creator is trying to do everything, even though everything I just listed is not likely in the creator's wheelhouse, much less what they actually want to be spending time on. Yeah, and this creator may even be moonlighting and doing everything you just described in the margins of life with a full-time job. Maybe they have a spouse or a partner, a couple of kids, caring for a family member, running a household, trying to get food on in front of their family three times a day. They have a toddler. They might be trying to get food on the table 20 times a day. And the list just goes on and on and on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or maybe multiple toddlers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right? um, yes. <laughs> yeah. And to be clear, if that's you, you're the creator we want to help. You're the mm -hmm. exact kind of creator that we want to help at Level Up. Um, but just kind of pull that all together. You're tapped out if you're getting fewer than probably five or six hours of sleep a night, have no time to recharge or take care of yourself, much less play, laugh, or have fun, God forbid. I'm sure everyone here can see that this leads to burnout over time, right? Duh. We're not meant to sustain that pace for prolonged periods of time. It's just, well, it's not sustainable. Unattainable. Yeah, which leads us into another related topic of overwhelm. So everyone has a different threshold for overwhelm. And I know I'm sure you know what this looks like for you. Overwhelm is especially pervasive state of mind. You know, you've reached the tipping point when you can't organize your thoughts, you can't think rationally, you can't make a decision. And you just feel like you can't get a break mm -hmm. or take ahead or get ahead or take a break. It's like you live in this perpetual quicksand where no matter how hard and fast you try and dig out, the sand is coming up to your neck and threatening to swallow you whole. Um, and we've all been there. This is not a fun or a healthy place to be. But when you're just trying to do it all by yourself, this is just going to eventually happen no matter how hard you try and fight it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> totally agree. No matter if you're the most organized person in the world, they're still just too much to do within the confines of a normal 24-hour day and a seven-day week. Um, so yes, yes to all of that. Number four, um, we see this one quite a lot. Uh, lack of specific business knowledge or skills. Look, here's the deal. Life is too short to spend copious amounts of time toiling away, pretending to know or be something you're not. If you're old enough to be an expert in your field, you've probably discovered this by now. You know, you're not just trying to impress people and be who you think other people uh, think you should be, but you've come into your own. You're an expert in your field. People are listening to you. You have influence. You've arrived. You don't also need to master the nitty gritty of marketing automation, sales, uh, accounting and finance, business strategy, product development, people management, customer service, or the entire technical landscape required to run your company. Again, explicitly calling out um, pervasive theme in our culture that puts people on a pedestal who do it all themselves. They don't ask for help, seem to know everything, and can simply do it all. Um, it really bothers me if that wasn't like already completely clear. <laughs> but the thing is, I'm speaking from personal experience, like full stop. I used to be this way. Um, I could have very easily been labeled burned out, tapped out, overwhelmed, and a workaholic all at the same time in my early 20s. Uh, but after um, many years of reflection at this point, I feel like I guess I had to learn those lessons to become a more mature and fully formed person, still a work in progress. Um, but that lifestyle really sucked. And I mean, it sucked in that I spent all of my time spinning my wheels, trying to do everything, know everything, be everything. Um, I didn't have time to 
have fun either in my early 20s, which is awful. And then the bottom fell out of my health. So again, maybe more on that later, but it's really exhausting knowing it all, doing it all and never asking for help. But, you know, for sure, I'm a lot smarter and hopefully wiser now after spending years asking other smart people for help in areas that I'm not particularly well versed in. And at this point, I love asking for help. I love asking for other people's advice and opinions. I've learned so much more this way than I would have on my own and a whole lot faster too. I most definitely do not know it all. And it's viscerally relieving to not feel like I have to in order to be respected or successful. And another thing, people love to be asked for help. They want to share their knowledge, expertise, and opinions that they have spent years and years and years acquiring. It's innately flattering as a human to be asked for your opinion, to be asked for your thoughts or your advice. And when I stop trying to do it all, know it all, and be everything to everyone and double down on what I'm most passionate about, building successful businesses, I found a great deal of success. You could probably even make the argument that success found me when I leaned into my passion and strengths and God help, aka hired amazing people, to help with my what's now popularly called non-strengths in interviews, I think. <laughs> But but I say all that to illustrate the point that creators listening to this episode, um, that more success will come to you when you stop trying to do it all, know it all, and be everything to everyone, and really lean into what you are passionate about. That will come through. Uh, you will have more energy. You will have a higher vibration. Whatever you want to call it, you will attract more people to yourself. If people see that you are truly, truly, deeply passionate uh, about what you're doing and talking about, and you're not completely burned out, tapped out, and overwhelmed. Fair enough? Yeah, you don't have to white knuckle your way through it anymore. <laughs> no, you really don't. And um, uh, there's a book that came out last year. Uh, it's, I don't remember what it's called, but it's about the, we'll put it in the show notes. Um, and it's about the generalist mindset and how valuable it is like in the work place or workforce right now to know a little bit of everything. Um, you know, 10 years ago, there was a big argument for like, be a specialist, you know, double down, know only um, one thing, but know everything, right? And I'm not trying to make an argument either way here, just in case that came to mind for anybody. Um, I think it's great to be very well read in a variety of subjects, to read cross-disciplinary uh, books and but really like double down on your strengths. Don't ignore everything else. Like be an intelligent person who is continuously learning and leveling up. Um, anyway, that may, that may have resonated with exactly zero people, but I felt like I pointed out anyway. So there it is. Great. Okay. Well, let's move on to the number five roadblock that we see often with creators and that is lacking a North star. And as Amanda mentioned earlier, a North star is the, in the business world is the ultimate goal of an organization. All activities of the business are organized around and in service of this goal. Yeah, totally. And at Level Up, we help creators define their North Star based on a variety of factors, starting with defining why a creator creates. What value are they bringing to the table for their audience? What change or transformation are they bringing about in the people who follow them? Basically, what is all of this posting and sharing in service of? And once we, we have defined your why and then defined the who you're doing your what for, we can talk about how we're going to maximize the value you bring to your audience while architecting a creator-led business that generates the income and lifestyle goals that the creator 
you really wants to achieve. I hope that all made sense. There's a lot of who, what, where, when, why, how, and all of that. But um, again, trying to define why you're doing what you're doing, who you're doing it for, and then how we can consistently deliver value to those people in a way that, again, provides value for them, income for you. So once that North Star is defined, we can create a mission, vision, strategy, goals, and a product roadmap that will help bring all of that to life in a very well-organized way. When you align your daily actions with a long-term plan, you will actually achieve your goals and success beyond what you have ever thought possible. We've done this over and over and over again, and it's incredibly satisfying to help someone's dreams come true, as cliche or silly as that may sound. That's real. We all have big dreams and we all want them to come true. Um, and it's all easier said than done. But we try and help creators build businesses that achieves all of that. And again, while they get to retain their sanity and not have the burnout, uh, overwhelm, tapped out, like all that kind of stuff. Okay, I think that brings us into our next topic here. And I know this was a top five roadblock list, but we have to hit on creators mindset to really round out this list. A mindset can either be number six on our top roadblocks, or what we really want is for your mindset to actually be a solution to many of the roadblocks that we already listed. Ooh, touche. That's spicy. <laughs> All right, let's dig into that. Um, I will preface this bit of the show uh, with the standard. We are not mental health professionals and are not offering any medical or professional medical advice here. So now that we're super clear, we can share our opinion and POV freely and you guys can take that for what it's worth. Okay. So creator mindset is an emerging topic, I would say. And if we had addressed this before the whole creator burnout thing, I think that could have potentially preempted a lot of it. But um. I don't know how much you listeners are kind of like into this, but um, we think a lot about mindset when we're dealing with entrepreneurs, especially who may have limiting beliefs or talk tracks in their mind or negative self-talk, kind of whatever word or phrase you want to apply to that really, really getting in their way. And you have to kind of um, engender this concept of mindfulness as well, like be aware of what you're saying to yourself in your own head that nobody else hears. Um, for me, I'm harder on myself than I am on anyone else or that anyone has ever been or probably will ever be on me. And I'm working on it. Um, again, coming back to that mindfulness thing, but are you aware of what your underlying beliefs are about your ability to be successful? And where are you getting, where are you getting your inputs from as well? Who are you listening to and believing? Who are your biggest supporters? Conversely, who are your biggest detractors? Are you surrounding yourself with people who are encouraging you, who believe in your ability to be successful, who are your ride or dies, who are here on your best day, on your worst day? They help pick you up when you fall down and remind you that you can get up and just try and try and try again. Um, or are you surrounded by people who don't actually believe in you, who are not successful themselves, who are not going out there and putting themselves out there um, and inviting criticism and opportunities for failure? So I think the, the work here for you, creator, is to observe your thoughts for a couple of days uh, specifically around your work and 
what you create and how you create and how you think about creating and what that could potentially lead to um, on more of the like entrepreneurial front and building what we're calling a successful creator-led business that brings in at least one half of $1 million per year. And that's really just an entry point. Do you believe that you can actually get there? Or do you think that's crap? Nobody actually does that. Or that's just for that person over there. You know, that's not my success to have or to capture or to create. That's for other people. You know, maybe there is a history in your family of not super successful people. And that's who is around you. And that's the example that has been set for you. And maybe you've been told a phrase like, you know, stay in your lane, or that's a bit too much of a reach for you, or just anything along those lines. If you believe that you can do it, and you are at or approaching these top three ingredients that we have talked about, you are absolutely ready. You know, you've got to like, push out those negative thoughts and talk tracks in your brain. You've got to put boundaries around the detractors in your life who don't believe in you and invite in more people who believe in you and your success or pull in closer those who are already there. Whoever those people are in your life, you know, your biggest champions, um, let them in closer and put distance between yourself and those who do not believe in you. Surround yourself with successful people. I cannot say that enough. People who are more successful than you, ideally, who are smarter than you, who have experience to bring to the table and wisdom to share with you, and who have taken, like we talked about in episode one, this very nonlinear path to success, who have been knocked down repeatedly, but gotten back up. And at the end of the day, that's really the key differentiator between people who are successful and people who are not successful. It's how you respond to failure. This is a big, big part of mindset, both entrepreneurial entrepreneurial, creator, and kind of in any area of life, if you are able to get back up again, after every time you get knocked down or failed or rejected for the brand deal, rejected for the speaking engagement, your first course didn't sell, you know, apply whatever has happened in your life that you consider a failure. How are you responding to that failure and showing up when you try again? I want to encourage you, uh, again, surround yourself with people who believe in you, who show outward verbal support or you know, whatever works for you, I guess, probably depending on your love language. Um, and then I also want to encourage um, affirmations. Uh, this is something relatively new to my life. Um, in the past probably 10 or 12 years, I've really um, kind of latched on to this idea of almost like this is not brainwashing yourself, but it's sort of like brainwashing yourself, right? You want to recognize when you're having a thought that you know, you don't want there that's not contributing to your success, tell it to go away and then replace it with, I am strong, capable, intelligent, and I've got this. And no matter how many times it takes for me to try, I'm going to keep stepping up to the plate. I'm going to keep trying. And eventually you are going to hit that home run because, you know, while it may take 2000 tries, if you quit after 2000, you don't get to 2001 where you hit the home run or the grand slam. Um, Natalie, do you do affirmations or have any thoughts on that? I love affirmations. Yes. So I have um, a three-year-old and she is, I, I started affirmations with her after I saw actually a creator talking about doing it with their daughter, um, probably, I don't know, over a year or so ago, pretty much, I think as soon as Evelyn could repeat the words that I was saying to her. And so 
Um, that is something that, you know, especially as, as raising a daughter and understanding that, um, you know, confidence is an issue, uh, something that I've dealt with my whole life. And, you know, the self limit or the limiting beliefs is just something that's very always been present in my life and wanting to set my daughter up um, so that she doesn't have to deal with it quite on the same level. And so, you know, every morning when I'm brushing her hair in the bathroom, I set her in front of the mirror and I have her repeat after me, you know, things like I am strong, I am brave, I am kind, intelligent, all of the things. And we always end it with, I have her say, I am Evelyn. And I have her just yell it. And I just think that there's so much power in that because, you know, it is just so easy to have that negative thoughts. And if we just flip it on mm -hmm. our he its head and start saying those positive things, like you said, even if we don't always believe it, if we just start pretending that we do and we start moving through the world in a way that we are, are believing these things, I really think that the universe will adjust accordingly and we will just see more abundance um, than we ever could have if we were just stuck in those negative cycles of thinking. So big affirmation yeah. fans around here. <laughs> nice. I did not know that. I mean, I know that you are raising an incredible, <laughs> strong, strong-willed leader of a young woman. Um, but I didn't know that was part of the mix, but oh my gosh, I love that so it's much. It's part of the um, routine. <laughs> and then I start totally. doing it with myself more too, right? It's like, I see yeah. the power that it creates in my three-year-old, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, and I do it to myself too. I'm like, I, we all benefit from this. Totally. Yeah, I'm big on the um, post-it note movement as well. I literally buy them by the case. I mean, like the huge sleeve. Um, in fact, I subscribe to them, but <laughs> there's uh, actually have, I am calm, present, strong, and capable right here. Oh, I like this. I have a little um, poem. I think it's by Rumi. Um, I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke and saw that life was service. I acted and behold, service was joy. Um, I have a stop shoulding on yourself right here <laughs> instead of like shitting on yourself, but like, right. oh, I should be doing this. I should be thinking that, oh, I should have known that I shouldn't have called, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I love that. And I have just yeah. do the next right thing. Rule number six, right. which there's some old like business parable about rule number six, but it's, um, don't take yourself so goddamn seriously. It's <laughs> what it is. So true. <laughs> Yeah. One yeah. of the things that I always tell myself is when I catch myself in those negative cycles, I always stop and I say, is this true? Like, is this even true? Mm. And most mm -hmm. times it's not. And I read, had read a book years ago. Um, I think it's called Loving What Is by Byron Katie, but it talks a lot about that. And I'm, you know, paraphrasing all of this, but it's like, we are so good at telling our stories, these things, or it's telling ourselves these stories. And it's like, once it starts, it's just this snowball of all of these things. And if you can just stop that dead in its track at some point and say, is this true? Most times the yeah. answer is going to be no. And it just re reshifts your perspective. Totally. I love that. I love asking yourself, yeah, is it true? What is the evidence to back it up? Mm -hmm. And just kind of having this little conversation with yourself um, mm -hmm. about that. I like that. Our son, uh, Kyle, is 12, going on 20. Uh, he's very bright and intelligent and um, was also very hard on himself as a result of that, right? And so he um, kind of has this innate mindset of if I try something, I should be good at it. 
right? I think a lot of us have that. Like if, yeah, if you have a history of being good at other stuff or you are really good at one, two or three things, um, we think that we think that other things should come easily, right? And so uh, we have Kyle do affirmations also before school every morning. Mm -hmm. So this is not something to ever grow out of. I love that you have your three-year-old doing it. We have our 12-year-old doing it. And then we're doing it ourselves. We're yeah. definitely practicing what we're preaching. And Kyle sees my... Um, little post-it notes everywhere. And sometimes I'll write myself a note on my mirror or whatever it is. Um, so anyway, if you're not into this, give it a shot. If it feels cheesy, say it inside your mind. You don't have to do it. You could put it on your phone so no one else sees it. You don't have to put it in a post-it note if you live with other people, but um, give it a shot for a month and see what happens. Um, yeah. And kind of, I mean, fully on this topic, I want you to ask yourself, am I employing self-compassion? Um, I first heard about this concept of self-compassion from Brene Brown. Uh, if you're not familiar with Brene Brown, you need to be familiar with Brene Brown. Um, actually, I would recommend starting with The Gifts of Imperfection or Daring Greatly first. And we'll link all that up at the show notes. But um, man, if you want some help with your mindset, Brene Brown and then Kristen Neff, buddies with Brene Brown. Um, she is, well, Dr. Kristen Neff. Sorry, Kristen. If you ever end up listening to this, that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, Dr. Kristen Neff uh, is at the University of Texas, Austin. And um, she is the I think, preeminent researcher on self-compassion. I'm, I'm reading her book right now. It's called Self-Compassion. Shocker. Uh, I'm going to read a super quick expert, excerpt from her website's homepage, selfcompassion.org. Self-compassion is simply the process of turning compassion inward. We are kind and understanding rather than harshly self-critical when we fail, make mistakes, or feel inadequate. We give ourselves support and encouragement rather than being cold and judgmental when challenges and difficulties arise in our lives. Research indicates that self-compassion is one of the most powerful sources of coping and resilience we have available to us, radically improving our mental and physical well-being. It motivates us to make changes and reach our goals, not because we're inadequate, but because we care and want to be happy. So I love that kind of description of not exactly what self-compassion is, which is a bigger topic, but what it does. Um, but if you can just think about you're compassionate toward, say, your child when they fall and, you know, skim their knee or something like that. If you can engender that feeling within yourself and turn it in, inward, uh, like Dr. Neff says in her quote here, um, that goes a long way. And instead of really beating yourself up after you mess up, um, which I have a very long history of doing. So, um, and again, yeah, we'll link all that up in the show notes. Yeah. Um, also want to touch on goal setting really quickly as it relates to mindset. Like I mentioned earlier, you're never going to get there if you don't know where you're going kind of a situation. Um, and this also relates back to the North star we we're talking about with the confusing who, what, where, why, when that I talked about earlier. Um, if your mindset is oriented around a specific goal or destination, you can think more clearly your thoughts are not your thoughts and resulting actions um, are not scattered, right? We want to really tighten up your thinking toward a specific goal, have affirmations that help you 
know and tell yourself that you are going to achieve that goal and your actions, I mean, truly will follow. And then like Natalie, you were saying that mindset will help attract the achievement of that goal. Um, and so I think that's probably something in the whole realm of creator mindset that can't be completely glossed over. Um, because having specific direction is really important. What do you think about that, Natalie? Yeah. No, I think that's great. I think that knowing where you're going, like you said, if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. And so just having that North Star, that thing that you're working towards will help you stay motivated. And it also kind of feeds back into knowing your why, knowing why you are trying to do this and doing what you're doing um, will help it help you take those steps when it gets hard. And when you're feeling overwhelmed and all of those things, it's just a good um way to recenter yourself and come back to what you're trying to achieve and why you're trying to achieve it. Yeah. I love that. Uh, and another piece to lay in, layer into goal setting mindset affirmations, um, you're going to drastically increase the likelihood of achieving your goals if you have accountability and that can come in many shapes and sizes and forms, you know, you, you figure out what works for you, but telling other people and like the science completely backs this up. If you tell other people what like your new year's resolution is, for instance, you are exponentially, exponentially more likely to stick with it and actually achieve that new year's resolution. Same exact thing for goal setting. If you share your goals, you've put it out there, you've told somebody you've externalized it. It's real now. Um, so that in and of itself is very helpful. So you've gone through this goal setting exercise and you've told people, um, so that, I mean, really creates accountability in your own mind, but I want to encourage you to get uh, a peer, one of those champions of your success, a best friend, spouse, partner, whatever, your neighbor, doesn't matter, a mastermind group, hold yourself accountable to hitting milestones in service of that goal. Set the milestones, share them with whoever is holding you accountable and keep up with it, right? That's, it's, Again, easier said than done, um, but this is all really, really important, an important prerequisite to being wildly successful uh, in a way that is healthy and sustainable. And I also want to challenge you as uh, a creator, as we're going through this exercise and thinking through mindfulness and how you talk to yourself and who you surround yourself with, um, ask yourself how you're showing up for people around you. Would other people that you are close to consider you a champion a detractor, a neutral party, or something else. And um, you will attract people to yourself who are going to be your champions if you are champions for other people. I don't know if that's backed up by science or not, but I firmly, firmly, firmly believe that you get back what you put in. And so go be, if you're looking for someone to be that person in your life, Go be that person for somebody else and sit back and see what happens. I promise you. Um, so yeah, not just what you are receiving from others, but what you're, you're putting out there in the world. On that note, um, we're going to touch a little bit on ego and humility. So everybody has an ego, right? We all have one for better or for worse. And it's kind of um, how we show up to the world, bringing our ego along with us every day. Um, and this is an interesting thing for creators because as you acquire and earn more and more and more influence at times we see, and others who are in kind of tangential lines of business who work with creators, 
see kind of a flip from early stage, earlier stage creator with smaller amount of influence. So fewer followers, um, people are going in there. They're very altruistic. They want to provide value. They love their community. Um, really all about what they're talking about. And I mean, kind of loving on people, right? It's a little bit cheesy, but, um, it's a give, give, give thing. And then there's a tipping point at times. This isn't for everybody, but I'm asking you to ask yourself if this is you, are you at a place where you're thinking more about yourself and what you deserve than what you are giving to other people? Because your job is to provide value. That's how you stay relevant, continue growing your audience, and continue growing your business, aka selling products, right? It's your expertise and your genuine connection with your community of followers that got you here. So I'm challenging you to ask yourself, am I leaving my ego at the door or does my ego follow me into these interactions now because I have built this following and therefore I deserve X, Y, and Z? Is that a fair, fair assessment, Natalie? I think so. And I think that, um, you know, an important a point to make is that wanting to be successful and wanting to have, um, you know, the, the financial goals that you, that you have set for yourself is not about ego. It's not about wanting to have the success and grow your audience and, and do well. It's just, you know, what are you thinking in those moments? Are you thinking it's because you are owed this or you are entitled this and, you know, you kind of forget about your audience and, and you know, the people that kind of built, helped you build your business. Um, as long as you're always, I think, kind of thinking about your moves in acts of service towards others and, and how to provide value. Um, and also, I think it comes into the um, continual learning thing too, you know, versus just mm -hmm. thinking that you've mastered everything and there's nothing else you can learn and you can't learn from your peers or learn from your audience. Um, I think staying humble in the knowledge that you have and the knowledge you still have to um, attain is, is an important aspect of that as well. Truly. Yeah, that's a great point. Entitlement. That's the word I was trying to find in my brain, but couldn't. So I'm glad you said that. Um, and real quickly, I'm remembering a piece of research that came out in 2020. I still hate saying that year. Oh, but um, this research proved that as your power increases, so think wealth, status, uh, fame, as those things increase, the size, the literal, actual, for real size of the empathy center in your brain shrinks. So your ability to have empathy for other people has an inverse relationship with power, wealth, fame, money. I just, or I said wealth, money, but um, that's crazy, right? That's completely insane. That actually affects the size, structure, and shape of the gray matter of your brain when you become more powerful, wealthy, and famous. I think you shared that with me before, because I remember hearing about that and my mind was blown mm -hmm. by it too. And I think it's just this like strange distance that is created between you and the people that you serve or you work with as that power grows. And so it's absolutely wild to me that it actually has a physical manifestation in your brain. Um, yeah. And I mean, I'm sure we could all share plenty of examples of seeing this play out in real life with these people that have yeah. all of the power in the world and, you know, lots of examples. But mm -hmm. um, I think just being aware of it and understanding that that threat is always there 
checking in with yourself. Like it's okay to acknowledge you have an ego. We were talking about this before the podcast where I had a moment where I was saying something that I knew was completely ego driven, but just catching myself and understanding that this is being driven by my ego. This is not my true self. This is not my, you know, higher self mm. speaking. This is just my ego. And sometimes it's okay to like vent about it for a second, but then it's, it's catching yeah. yourself having that moment coming back to your purpose, coming back to who you are and who you want to be and how you want to show up in this world and for your audience. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And now I'm sitting here wondering if there are studies being conducted right now to see what the countermeasure is when that empathy mm. center starts to shrink as you become more wealthy and famous um, and powerful. So that'll be interesting to see, but I would totally totally put money on it being uh service being one mm -hmm. thing and so um helping other people would probably help uh stop the decrease in size of the empathy center of your brain in fact i, I yeah i would put a lot of money on that actually yeah. um and just staying grounded and having accountability yeah. toward that as well so it could even be a goal to keep your ego in check and have accountability from a very very close inner circle person that you completely trust to do that. So, um, that was great. That was a really, uh, fun conversation. Super interesting. I hope that causes everyone here to think that's the whole point, um, and do some assessment and, and see how you're showing up in the world. And, um, has that changed since the beginning of your creator journey, depending on where you're at with it? And, not only how would you answer that question, has it changed from the beginning, but how would those who have stuck really, really closely to you and had kind of the inside track on you, your life and how you show up, um, how would they answer that question? So, all right, we're going to wrap up here uh, with one more thing. So we've got one more solution that will move you closer to our top three ingredients for a successful creator-led business. And that is working toward living by the Pareto principle, more commonly known as the 80-20 rule. Um, I take the Pareto principle out of its original context quite frequently because I think it's a very helpful um, kind of mental device and framework. And I love to apply it to business. So um, the way I want you to think about that right now, listener, is are you spending 80% of the time of your time in life doing what you feel like you were put on this earth to do? Or is it maybe flip-flopped? Are you spending 20% of your time doing that and 80% doing things that feel like a, again, that like massive boulder of obligation? You know, is every action that you are doing as you go throughout your day, does it feel more obligatory than playful or you know, brings you pleasure, delight, joy. So I think starting to define what living by the 80-20 rule for you would look like, and you're probably sitting here thinking, oh my God, Amanda, shut up. I have so much shit to do. Like, I know I'm a CEO. I have a kid. I have a spouse. Um, I have chronic health issues actually. And so um, I often feel that crushing weight of obligation and I am I'm at the 80-20 rule with my job, which is incredibly fortunate and awesome, but with the rest of my life, definitely not, definitely out of balance and a long way to achieving 80-20. So um, I hear you. I hear what you're saying in your head about what I'm sharing, and that's like completely fair. Uh, and so this is ideal. But again, if you don't know where you want to go, you are never going to get there. Um, I did do this real quick aside in 2009. So it's 2023 as we're recording this. This was a long time ago. 
um, I did this exercise called the ideal day exercise. And I literally typed out on probably my first MacBook. Um, I think it was called something different than anyway, what I wanted my ideal day to look like. And I've gone back and I've referenced that document many times. And despite the health issues, which are kind of out of my control, um, I'm damn near close to it. And I cannot even believe that. But if I had not written that exercise, if I had not set the intention, I don't think there's any way I would have gotten there. I just would have been going with the flow rather than making intentional decisions and working toward specific goals. Um, so no matter how far you off, you are off from the 80-20 rule in your life, at least write down your ideal. Because if even you can get a little bit closer to it, I think you'll probably be a happier person anyway. So there's really, this is a win-win situation in my opinion. Um, and I would just start that by kind of doing a little bit of triage, be relentless in your prioritization, shed as many ob obligatory tasks as you possibly can. Um, something I started asking myself a few years ago, um, and I'm a very, very type A, very organized, very driven person here. Okay. I am not lazy, lackadaisical, type B, nothing. Like there's nothing wrong with that either. That's just not me. Um, what happens if I do nothing? Like if there's something on my calendar, what if I just deleted that or on my to-do list or whatever? Um, and that's, you know, oftentimes you can't, but that has been a really helpful sort of device and gut check. I think since I started that a few years ago, there are fewer things that show up on my to-do list and calendar um, that I would likely be able to delete with no consequence, but um, I would challenge you to, to give that a shot. Um, yeah, Natalie, sorry. I've been like monologuing for a long time. Go ahead. No, that was good. I mean, I can relate to pretty much hundred percent of most of that. So I, uh, I, I'm certainly, um, always practicing that as well. I, I hadn't written down the, my ideal day thing, but I love that, but I do, you know, mm. over the years have put together vision boards and things like that. And I came across one of the ones I had made years ago the other day and, and, and yeah, felt this moment of like, this is pretty close. Like I've achieved a lot of these things. And I think just knowing mm. that, um, you know, you're putting this, these things out there and setting these goals and holding yourself accountable. Um, it's pretty, pretty cool what can happen once you see them come to fruition. Um, and kind of in line with prioritization um, is efficiency. So I think, you know, finding systems and finding ways to be more efficient really mm. helps your day. I'm also a type A organized person, um, also a Capricorn. So it's a trifecta of, <laughs> of a lot. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you can't delegate for whatever reason, making yourself checklists that you have for repeated tasks um, and things that, that are accessible to you that you can find easily um, can be really, really helpful. And this can look like SOPs or standard operating procedures for things that you do regularly, where you already have kind of this um, formula for success for achieving this, or, you know, whatever you're working on a project or a task, whatever it may be, but knowing that you already have some form of um, efficient process to follow in order to achieve it can can save you a lot of time, can save you a lot of mental energy drain because you're not reinventing the wheel every time. And so finding those ways to um, yeah. optimize the efficiency of your day or your tasks um, can really help, um, you know, free up a lot of time in your life and in your brain. Totally. Yes. We love standard operating procedures here. Um, it makes life so much better and easier and organized. Uh, and especially if you're not a particularly organized person doing this, 
creating a little checklist for repeated tasks one time, like you only have to do it once and then you just follow it. Um, anyways, all right, one more quick point or anecdote rather, and this goes back to mindset and it's probably going to challenge a lot of people that are listening, but please take my word for it here. Remember that there are other highly capable, intelligent people out there who can take things off your plate. If someone can do something, here's another uh, Pareto principle thing taken completely out of context. But if someone can do something at least 80% as well as you can, you should hand that task off to them if it's not in your 80% bucket, like something that you really love to do, which is a double application of the Pareto principle. So boom. Um, again, out of context, but that's okay. Think, think about how many different ways you could overlay the 80-20 rule in your life. But again, if someone can do something 80% to the level that you could do it, hand it off. Um, and just a super quick anecdote to wrap up. I hired the first person on my team in my early 20s. Hi, Suzanne. I'm definitely going to send you this episode. Um, I was extremely overwhelmed, burnt out, tired, and in a bad spot. Um, I had a big job at the time and was doing really, really well. I was very, very afraid to hand off anything because I had built this whole little micro ecosystem that was serving me, I thought at the time, I guess financially really, really well, but not in any other ways. It was very unhealthy. Again, I mentioned being a workaholic and things like that. And that started at um, a young age early in my career. And, um, I just got to a complete breaking point. Like there was no choice to be had. I waited that long, even in my early twenties. Um, I was completely in over my head. And so, um, someone referred this wonderful, amazing woman, Suzanne to me, and she saved me in so many ways. And I learned so much more from her than I ever possibly, um, there's like no chance that I taught her any, anything anywhere close to what she taught me. Um, so shout out to Suzanne. Thank you. It was a little bit of a hurdle to teach someone how to do things at least 80% the way that you want them done. But oh my gosh, you want to talk about that again, like visceral relief in your whole self, mind, body, everything. Um, it can be done. It is a little bit of a hurdle. But again, you set these systems in place one time and then they just work for you. And it's really, really beautiful. And that's a lot about how we set up creator-led business businesses. But that is a wrap for episode two. Thank you so much, Natalie, for joining me again today and for all of your amazing insights. This was a super fun combo. And as we, uh, well, this is only the second episode, but as we always say and will say, your time is precious. Thank you so much for sharing yours with us. Level Up Creators exists to amplify the voice, reach, and impact of creators making a positive impact in the world. With your expertise as our focus, our team of strategists, marketers, sales pros, product developers, administrators, and tech gurus handle the heavy lifting of business, building and optimizing a profitable business that will transform your life for good. Check out welevelupcreators.com for more info and resources for creators just like you. See you next time on the Level Up Creators podcast. What could you accomplish in your business if you had an entire team of experts available to advise you on any aspect of your company whenever you need it? And what if you not only had this team in your back pocket, but the exact education you need to move your company forward available to you 24-7, 365? Well, 
today's your lucky day because that's exactly what Level Up Creator School is. It's a full fractional team of advisors that you have tremendous access to during the work week and the courses and trainings you need to take your company to new heights. For just a few hundred dollars a month, you can access the Level Up Creators Consulting Team, and there's no business challenge we can't solve. Check out levelupcreatorschool.com today and meet your new team.